The Daily Tap is live for Thursday. We're going to talk about Devontae Adams' comments about Aaron Rodgers. And if he felt this way, why didn't Devontae Adams just stay? We'll talk about that. We're going to also mention Mike Gesicki as a potential option for the Green Bay Packers. We're going to talk quickly about the balanced schedule. I have some thoughts on the Brewers' schedule for next season. And then lastly, we'll explain why the first three games for Graham Mertz are more important than any other player for the Wisconsin Badgers. Big show today. Excited to talk. Uh, we are on social media, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports, on Instagram, TikTok, as well as Facebook. Uh, we've been going well on TikTok this week. Good, good Packer content. Hope you guys have enjoyed it, sharing it out. Uh, we're 450 actually on TikTok now, so I think we might get to 500 by uh, September 11th. That's kind of my hope, uh, right as Packers season starts. We're around 500. That's a goal I've made for myself. Uh, so we'll see if we'll get there. Uh, also, make sure that you are rating and reviewing if you're already subscribed. If you're not subscribed, make sure that you do that. Um, if you are checking us out because you're still looking for something from WSSP, I'm happy to bring that to you. And hopefully we're filling that void. We're getting to you in the morning. This is now the third straight uh, Daily Tap podcast that is being produced before the morning commute, so I'm very proud of that. Um, that doesn't always happen. Usually, we have one good week, and then we have a bunch of bad, but I'm really, really honed in on trying to get you guys that content in the morning because I know a lot of you listen, and I appreciate that, and so what the last thing I want to do is provide you with not having that experience, especially when you get closer to football season and everything like that. I won't promise you that they will be instant reaction pods, but I'm definitely going to try harder to get the podcast up a little bit quicker um, for you on Sunday Sunday evening, Sunday afternoons, things like that. I have a life too. I don't get paid to do this. I say that a lot, and I, I think you might see it as an excuse or whatnot, but it's true. Um, so I hope that we'll be able to get you podcasts pretty much right after the pack game or soon thereafter and not just wait until Sunday night football is over. I'd like to do that. I do that sometimes where I procrastinate it. I watch Sunday night football and then I'm like, oh, I got to do a podcast. We'll try to avoid some of that. So like, for example, the Vikings game, probably eat dinner. And then after I eat dinner, I'll pop on and we'll we'll do the podcast. I know some of you liked the spaces last year. Um, I don't know if we're going to do that this year. I kind of want to do it, but a lot of the Packer content creators are doing it. So I'm unsure on that. Um, Still more to come there. Um, and we'll figure it out. Maybe we'll play with it um, for the first game of the season, see what kind of entertainment we get, see what see what audience we get, and maybe we'll run that through. That's always a challenge as well because we have that on top of doing the podcast. So whatever, uh, let's not waste any more time with show information. Let's talk about Devontae Adams and his comments about Aaron Rodgers. So Devontae Adams was on the Pivot Podcast, which is a podcast with Ryan Clark, Fred Taylor, and Channing Crowder. It's a pretty good podcast. I haven't actually listened to it, but the sound clips are great. And I think, you know, Draymond Green talks about the new media, and some of it's kind of bullshit, honestly. But one of the good things about new media is that they get some quotes that I don't know if a Bill Simmons or a Ryan Rosillo or part of my take are getting. I think that the players are able to create sort of a safe space that these guys feel more open to talk and speak their truths and talk about their feelings or talk about their opinions than they would with a journalist or a podcaster or any any of that ilk. 
Savante Adams said this about Aaron Rodgers. He said he had that Michael Jordan effect. He's going to make you play better. He's going to bring out your best by just being on the field. Devontae Adams also said he is the best QB to play this game. Those are very, very high regards for Aaron Rodgers. We know that Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are friends. We know that they are very close. They have a tight-knit relationship. So this brings the point of why did Devontae Adams leave that? If Devontae Adams feels this way about Aaron Rodgers, why did Devontae Adams decide to leave Green Bay? Now, I've heard from some people that it was really influenced by his wife, that his wife did not really like Green Bay, that she also wanted out, um, and that she didn't really want to live here long term. That is something that I've heard through the grapevine, you know, and take it for what it is, right? I'm not a reporter. I'm not, I don't worry about anybody aggregating me. uh, So I won't even say don't aggregate it, but that's something that I've heard. Um, And so that it was not only Adams that was influenced by playing with Derek Carr, but it was also his wife. And Adams seemingly is throwing away a chance to continue to play with the best quarterback in the game. The guy could be the Pippin to the Jordan if we're using Adam's words and talking about him in that brevity. And and Adams decided not to do that. Adams decided to to sort of go his own way, like Fleetwood Mac would say. And it's really interesting, right? Because Devontae Adams easily could be a Packer right now. The Packers didn't get rid of Devontae Adams because they couldn't afford him. They had a contract for Devontae Adams ready for him to sign. It was a more lucrative contract than what Devontae ended up signing with the Las Vegas Raiders. That's a fact. You can go back and look at it. So it wasn't like the Packers were cheapening out like your favorite Brewers team, which again, I don't think the Brewers are cheap, but I'm doing it for you that feel that way. Because I know there are people who listen to, listen to me who think that the Brewers are this cheap baseball team. That's here and our there. <laughs> I look at Adams and I'm like, all right, you could have all of this. Like, this could be yours. And now because maybe your wife isn't a fan of Green Bay and because you want to play with your college quarterback who's been tampering the fuck out of this whole thing and it drives me crazy and it will drive me crazy till the end of time because I truly, truly, truly believe that Derek Carr tampered with Devontae Adams and the NFL just does not care. And that's okay, right? If that's how the NFL wants to play it, go ahead. Like, all right, that's how we're playing it. Cool. Unfortunately, we have Green Bay, Wisconsin. You can't really bring the allure of Green Bay like you can Las Vegas unless it's a situation where it's teammates and things like that where you're like, all right, here's why you should come to Green Bay. And they sell them on this idea of it. And if it's Adams wanting to pave his own path, all right, I mean, it, it all, I guess, makes sense. But when you're talking about a guy like this, why do why have a chance of it jeopardizing your career? Devontae Adams is considered the best receiver in football right now. And I know Devontae Adams has looked good in joint practices against the Patriots this week and everything like that. And it looks like the same Devontae Adams. I don't doubt that. But this, the throws that Derek Carr can make versus the throws that Aaron Rodgers can make are an ocean between each other. I know Derek Carr is a little bit of a above average quarterback. I don't think Derek Carr is like the 15th best quarterback, but Derek Carr isn't the best quarterback in football. Derek quarterback, Derek Carr is Derek quarterback. Derek Carr isn't a top five quarterback in no way, shape or form he is. 
And on top of all this, besides all of the other variables that we just presented, Devontae Adams now has to work for Josh McDaniels, who did not have the best resume coming out of Denver. Now, McDaniels has been a longtime assistant since the Denver days, but he's always seemed like quite a hard ass. That is quite the change for Matt LaFleur or maybe even Mike McCarthy. I did think Mike McCarthy at times could be rough around the edges, but this will probably be the most hard ass coach that Devontae Adams has played with through his time in the NFL. Is he really ready to sign up for that? Again, right now it could seem great, but when you're two and four and you need a win and he's breathing down your ass, are you really gonna feel the same way? Similarly, are you gonna feel the same way when it's week six or week eight and Derek Carr misses you again on a pass that you know Aaron Rodgers would make? My friend Murph uh, had a great quote in his draft manifesto what he wrote and said like, Devontae leaving is a lot like Derek Carr, a lot like when you visit with your buddies in college, you have this great weekend, you know, years later, you live it up, you're like, why can't we do this all the time? And then you do it a couple times in a row and it's the same stories, it's the same shtick, it's the same people getting fucking wasted. And you're like, you know what? Like, I need to mix it up. I can't, can't keep doing the same thing. So I really look at this and I don't understand it whatsoever. I, I don't, like, I, I'm not gonna get this. I, I appreciate what Devontae Adams says about Aaron Rodgers and it should be shot, shouted from the rooftop. And I understand that he is not comparing him to Michael Jordan. Of course, first take ran with the latter and was like, oh, Devontae Adams thinks uh, Aaron Rodgers is, is Michael Jordan. He wasn't, like, that's not what they were saying. They're saying he has that Michael Jordan effect. But of course, they had to aggregate it a little bit to make it a good topic for Mad Dog Russo and Stephen A. Smith, and they went at it, and Stephen A. obviously on the side of Aaron Rodgers, big Aaron Rodgers guy, uh, Mad Dog was not. Uh, he compared him to Jared Goff in the playoffs because he's like, he's a 500 quarterback, forgetting really that the only loss in Aaron Rodgers' playoff career, that's his fault, is the San Francisco game. Other than that, Aaron Rodgers has been tremendous. I'd have to actually go back. I probably should do that. That actually would be a great exercise. Maybe we'll do that as a podcast of like, which playoff games were really Aaron Rodgers' fault. And I really think it's one game or maybe two. But Aaron Rodgers' record should not necessarily reflect how he's performed in the playoffs. The guy has come to play in the playoffs. Unfortunately, there are variables around him that he cannot control. Ladarius Gunther on primetime Julio Jones is not going to work out. And it didn't. And that's why the Packers got their asses kicked against Atlanta. Simply put, like that, it's it's simple as that. Ladarius Gunter on Julio Jones was an absolute nightmare. And what's crazy is like Aaron Rodgers was uh, Arizona a couple plays away from being in another championship game where he would have lost. Carolina's defense was really good. They would have pounded Green Bay. Green Bay didn't have any receivers left. All of Green Bay's receivers were hurt. It would have been Aaron Rodgers, Jeff Janis, and some guy off the street. Like, it's crazy to think about how many different things Aaron Rodgers went through for the playoffs. But we're not here to necessarily talk about Aaron Rodgers. We're here to wrap up with Devontae Adams and where basically why didn't he just want to stay? Like if Devontae Adams feels this strongly about Aaron Rodgers, he could have stayed. But instead he chose to do something different. 
And people just need to do that sometimes, right? Some guys and girls will quit their jobs even though they're on top of the world, even though everything is rosy because they need to shake it up. But I'll tell you what, I think this is a risky dice roll, pun intended because of the, the Vegas Raiders. Like, I think this is hitting on 16 for Devontae Adams. I really do. Or even hitting on 17. I don't know how he can look at this and trust the infrastructure just because he played college fo- college football with that quarterback and he expects the relationship to be the same. I will tell you right now that the Packers can easily win the Super Bowl without Devontae Adams. The Packers can easily win the division without Devontae Adams. They can do everything that they did with Devontae Adams. It's not even a Ewing theory thing. Uh, it's not like they're better without Devontae. I've argued they might get more creative without him. And I wonder how that will make Devontae Adams feel. And if you want an insight on other teams doing this, the Kansas City Chiefs are doing the exact same thing. They didn't pay Tyreek Hill. They're going with a bunch of guys. Now, they did sign some guys like Marquez Valdez-Scantlin, former Packer, Juju Smith-Schuster, but their cupboard was a lot bare than what the Packers have in front of them. They didn't have Randall Cobb. They didn't have Alan Lazard. They didn't have those type of guys. Those guys did not exist on their roster. So we'll see what happens with the Green Bay Packers. It's going to be a very fun year to compare Devontae Adams and to compare Aaron Rodgers without Devontae Adams and the receiving core for the Packers. It will be under a microscope from the first game of the season till the absolute last. A nightmare for me is the Packers starting off slow, the Raiders starting off quick, Devontae Adams having an awesome start to the season, and then it's Hellfire and Brimstone, and then we're defending this till the death. But I think when you defend it, you have to remember that this was Devontae Adams' decision. He chose this, and now he has to live in it. And the Packers gave him a chance, and he told them he wanted to be a Raider. The Packers did him a solid and got him over to Oakland. It's unfortunate that that's what happened, but it is what it is. And for the comments on Aaron Rodgers, it's all true. Aaron Rodgers is as good of a quarterback as there will ever be in the NFL. And it's been an absolute joy to have my formative years watching him at quarterback. And I hope I get to do it all the way till middle of February this year and middle of February next year. And then he can ride off into the sunset. Sticking with the Packers, Mike Gusecki could be on the trade block for the Miami Dolphins. Doug Keed, I think it is, of Pro Football Focus, reported that Mike Gusecki might be a surprise cut for the Dolphins. And so instead of cutting him, they may look to trade him. If the Green Bay Packers can get a third round pick for Mike Gusecki, they should be all over that. I think that is a no-brainer move for the Green Bay Packers. Mike Gusecki is a great pass catching tight end. He's a guy who's probably been underutilized in Miami with Tua Tagovailoa and the offenses that Miami has run in the past. I think with LaFleur's offense that can be tight end heavy at time, I think the idea of running two tight ends with Gasecki and Tunyon could be absolutely lethal for the Green Bay Packers, especially down in the red zone. Kaseki can't block. He's not a good blocker. He's not a guy who you expect him to make a seal block and free up Aaron Jones or free up A.J. Dillon. That will still be the role of Big Dog or Jace DeGura. But I think what Kaseki can do is help you stretch the field and also put less pressure on Robert Tunyon to come back immediately. Like then you have a Tunyon replacement 
ready in the wings and that could produce and not have to worry about him maybe being nervous like Tyler Davis. So yes, there's the Tyler Davis part. I know everybody's looking to move off of Tyler Davis, but as we talked about on yesterday's podcast, which you go back and listen to when we were breaking down the 53-man roster, Tyler Davis still needs to be there because he plays a ton of special teams. So I think if they were going to make a move on Gasecki, if they were going to talk about Gasecki, the conversation would first need to be had with Rich Passaccia and be like, hey, if we trade for Gasecki, who will not probably play a lot of special teams, maybe he'll play field goal block or, or uh, field goal, field goal, just not field goal block. You know your you know your special teams units, Charlie. Uh, that's all a play, and then that's probably it. Are you okay with that? Is that are you going to vibe with that? Well, how much of a loss would we have not having Tyler out there? And if Passaccia is like, we we really kind of need Tyler. Like, if we don't have Tyler, it's more more Josiah, and I don't know if you want to risk that. That would probably be the plug and play there. And and then that would be a decision for Brian Gunacuz. If Brian Gunacuz values the special teams more, we can't get mad at him. Like, I, I hope you realize that. Like, you cannot get mad at Brian Gunacuz if he values special teams more. Because special teams lost us the season last year, right? The reason we lost was because of special teams. I had a podcast after the Bears game. I said special teams could cost us the season. And I was right. And it sucks that I was right. Um, but you can go back and listen to that in the December archives. And I'm happy to link it out if you hit me up on Twitter or you hit me up on Instagram because I called my shot. It was an unfortunate shot to call, but I was right. And if Tyler Davis is that valuable to special teams, then I'm okay with riding it along. I think the fans who think that Tyler Davis just should be cut, they should move on, are, are missing the bigger picture. Special teams has to matter. And you have to think about it in that scope. You can't kind of... I would say it's borderline pinhead to be like not thinking about special teams at this point after what happened to you. It's like going back to that abusive relationship where you're like, okay, I'm doing this over and over again and the same shit's happening to me. Why am I involved with this? Whether it's verbal, heaven forbid physical, we won't go there. But like, seriously, like why, why go back there? Like you have to open your eyes. You have to think about special teams. And if you're not thinking about special teams with the guys on these rosters, you're doing it wrong. So if Mike Gusecki, who, again, shouldn't probably play special teams, if that's going to be a bridge too far for Bisaccia, then you move on. Then you move on. Then you don't even trade for him. I also wouldn't give a second-day pick for him. So if a team wants to give a second-day pick, I know the Panthers need a tight end too. Like if Carolina's like, we'll give you a third-round pick. Now Carolina doesn't have a ton of draft capital. But if Carolina does have a third round pick hanging around, eh, I, I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna say that's that's the right move because I think Mike Gesicki's value is fourth round or lower. I don't think he's shown anything that says okay, Mike Gesicki is this you know second round, second day guy. I think the potential's there. I think a team like Green Bay could unlock it. But I'm also not advocating for just trading away picks just to trade them. I know Les Need likes to do the fuck them picks. But them picks have led us to Kenny Clark. It's led us to Jair Alexander. It's led us to Elton Jenkins. It's led us to David Bakhtiari. It's led us to Aaron Rodgers. It's led us to Darnell Savage, who you could say a little Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt, uh, Rashawn Gary. Those are all picks. So Les Need can do what he wants, and Les Need can wag his big dick. But at the end of the day, Les Need should know that the only reason they won that Super Bowl is because the Packers had a blocked punt. We would have beat L.A. And you're going to be like, well, Charlie, here we go again. This is the second straight year where you've said this. You said, if we had David Bakhtiari, we would have beat, 
would have beat Tampa Bay. And if you, you you know, you don't get the block punt, you would have beat LA. And if my aunt had a dick, she'd be my uncle. Like, I, I understand that. But it, the facts are facts. We own we own the Rams. I know we're better than Rams. The Rams have not beat us since the McCarthy days. All right? So I, until the Rams can beat us, until Matt Stafford can get over his Aaron Rodgers conundrum, because he always overplays with Aaron Rodgers. He always tries way too hard because his wife and him, I think, have a holdup against Aaron Rodgers, even though Rodgers has been pretty complimentary to Stafford in the past. I know Stafford has too, but I think there is a distinct feud there a little bit. They're not going to do shit. So I'm not worried about the Rams. And I wasn't worried about the Rams last year. And I won't be. And I know what the Packers do from a draft develop. Make sure that we're year in, year out. And at some point, uh, the rooster is going to crow home for the for the Los Angeles Rams. It was a little aggressive on Les, Les Snead there. Didn't expect to get go there. But yeah, you know, I mean, those picks, them picks have led us to a lot of talented players. And some not even mentioned. Um, in that, but I I think you can't you can't just de- devalue uh, draft picks like that. So we'll see what happens with Mike Gesicki. Um, could be just smoke. Um, could be the Dolphins trying to light a fire under his ass. Who knows? But yeah, I would love Gesicki. I think that is an excellent thing for the Green Bay Packers to look at, as they they do need that second tight end right now. Um, and if Tunyon's close, maybe it doesn't matter. If they think Tunyon's ready week one or week two, I guess. That would be another reason why they wouldn't trade for Gasecki. Um, but I still think he'd be quite an upgrade over Tyler Davis as long as special teams were okay. Let's talk a bit about the Brewers' balanced schedule. So the Milwaukee Brewers are playing a balanced schedule next season. Uh, baseball altogether is playing a balanced schedule. They will be playing significantly more interleague games. There will be a total of 46 interleague games the division games decrease to around 50, and then they lose two games inside of the NL. So this is really interesting. And I looked at the quote tweets of the schedule, and a lot of fans seem to be on board. I am as well on board with this schedule. I think it's a great idea for baseball. I think it's going to be something that will bring more fans to American Family Field as well as know Brewers fans traveling to locations that don't always pop up on the schedule the other cool thing is the Brewers will play teams on the road this year and they are 2023 and then in 2024 they will then go to to those stadiums vice versa so for example the Brewers play in Seattle um, in April and they will have Seattle at home in 2024 and then they play Boston as well in April they will also face the Red Sox in Boston again in 2024. Uh, if we want to run back from our Spasher party in 2024, um, I am all in on that idea. I do think I'd probably go back to Fenway in, in, in that time. I just think like that is a great trip. If it works, right? If it's a weekend, I have a buddy of mine who is saying how much he wanted to go to Fenway, so I might try to work on that with him. But I look at the schedule and it's just exciting, right? We have Mike Trout coming to town and Shohei Otani if the Angels stay together in late April. That's a weekend series. I feel like you kind of have to go see Trout and Otani. Um, it's probably maybe your only opportunity. I think those crowds will be quite large, right? Uh, they have a three-city West Coast road trip in April. That's not nice at all. Uh, they started in Chicago, which sucks, right? Um, 
And it's never fun because you always have rainouts, um, weather completely unpredictable. And then the home opener is Monday the third against the New York Mets. Hopefully, that we get get to go to opening day. I've I always have had opportunities for opening day. Uh, my wife's parents love to go, um, and I've I've always been really busy with work. But Monday actually works out great. Um, it's also National Championship Monday, so hopefully Marquette's in there as well. Uh, but that could set up for an excellent. Uh, day of sports but yeah then home for st louis and then it's yeah you're out west with arizona san diego and seattle then a long home home stand right after it so it's kind of a nice little thing where it's like you're on the road for a bunch then you're at home for a bunch um the dodgers early they also play st louis in april may and then they don't play st louis again till late september so that's a very interesting tweak of the schedule right that is a long time to play with to not play the Cardinals. So if the Cardinals and Brewers are again battling out for the top spot in the NL Central, there's going to be a long layoff between those matchups. Houston's another team that comes to town um, in May. Um, it'll be early. It'll be a Monday, Monday, Wednesday series. But again, another team that's probably worth going out to see. Um, so those are all fun. Um, they do kind of get screwed on some of their weekend stuff, right? Like they have to play can't they play Kansas City at home on a weekend. They play Oakland on a weekend. They play who else? They have a Cincinnati weekend in there. Um, a couple Pittsburghs in there. I think I already mentioned Pittsburgh. Uh, Washington, who shouldn't be that good. Like they don't have a ton of fun weekend series. I guess San Diego um, around the 25th, 26th, 27th. So if my divine boys want to come come through. I feel like that's a perfect opportunity. So we'll uh, we'll see those guys here. But anyways, uh, yeah, I I'm all for the idea of a balanced schedule. I I really like it. Um, I think that the Brewers, who knows how much it will change their you know per, projection in terms of their season. We have a long way to go before the 2023 year. Right now, looking at it, it would have probably been a godsend for the Brewers, considering that the AL is just not that good this year. It's been the Astros and Yankees and then everybody else. I think the Brewers are 11-3 and or 12-3 and in Interleague this season already. So I think they would have actually really flourished with the schedule this season. So it's a bummer that we have to wait another year for it, um, and hopefully it stays the same. But... Baseball's cha- baseball could change on a dime, right? Like Pittsburgh, I think, will be better next year. I think the Cubs will be better next year. Like the Cubs are scrappy right now. Uh, they beat the Cardinals again uh, last night. And so I, I expect the Cubs to be there a little bit. I think the Cubs will make a splash. There's rumors they could get go after Xander Bogarts. I think the Cubs are, are going to be a fringe playoff team next year. And I think the same for the Pirates. I think the Miami Marlins are going to be good with their pitching staff. They just need to add a little more offense. And they have young offense like ready. And it's a question of, is that young offense going to step up? Like J.J. Belay and, J- and Jannar Encarnacion. Yes, his son makes you feel fucking old. I get it. Peyton Burdick is another guy who like they have talent there. It's a question of if it's all going to come through. So like the NL could be just as good as last year, if not better. And then the AL, you know, who knows? I'm a little, I'm a little less savvy on the AL. I I pay closer attention to the NL because the keeper league I'm in, so I know a little bit more. And I, and I know those teams because that's who the Brewers are competing with every night. And I think that'll also help, right? I think you just get smarter as a baseball fan. You just know more about the American League. Like I know a bit from gambling and stuff like that, but 
I don't watch AL baseball that often because those aren't teams the Brewers are facing. Now, I don't just throw on, don't always throw on a random baseball game. Sometimes I've, I've de- I definitely think about it, and I don't. I think when I have the new house and I have like a basement where I can just throw on something and wife's doing something, and I'm like, all right, you know, whatever, throw on the game. And also, it'll help that out when I clean the kitchen and stuff like that. I'll actually get to watch TV. Right now, I have a wall between, so I don't really have that luxury where I can throw something on the television while I'm, you know, cleaning the kitchen or cooking dinner or, or something like that. So I think you'll, I think it will elevate um, my sports viewing experience. It's probably bad news for my wife, but that's that's her problem and nobody else's. So yes. Big fan of the balance schedule, but if you're not for some reason, hit me up on Twitter or Instagram, tapping the keg or tapping the keg sports on both those channels if you have a problem with the schedule. As for the Brewers tonight, it was really ugly. Um, Adrian Hauser is just not a big league pitcher right now. I, I don't know. I, I maybe not a big league, maybe that's a little strong, but like he walked the yard. I realized he was getting squeezed out there. I realized it's his first start and it was against the Dodgers. And that is not a recipe for success. But I really need to see something from Adrian Hauser against the Pittsburgh Pirates next week. He'll likely get the get the call again. I need to see Adrian Hauser step up in that situation. That's a moment where we could actually get something out of Adrian. And if Adrian steps up and pitches well, then I'll be like, okay, then maybe it was a little bit of a fluke, right? And the Dodgers are a juggernaut. I felt like... Jake Steen on Twitter, who's a or Stein, excuse me, great follow. I just started following him a little bit ago, and I felt like Jake had a good protection. I hope it's Jake and not Jack. Sometimes when it's Jake's and Jack's, you get messed up there. But like he had a really, really good perspective on all of this that I think like I think helps, right? And I, I get it, right? I, I totally understand that everybody everybody feels sort of eh at this point about the Brewers. I, I get it. I, I, I can't can't dismiss any of those feelings. We're going to talk a lot about this tomorrow with Mitch Ross when we do Tabby the Keg. But here's what Jack, it's Jack Stern. I said Stein. Excuse me. Sorry. Apologies, Jack. Jack said this. The Dodgers have lost four times in August. Three of those games have been against the Brewers. This team is a freight train chugging at full speed. And the Milwaukee Brewers held up better than most teams. They play them pretty well for five out of seven games. I, I agree with that. I, I, five out of seven? Yeah, I'll, I'll give them. Uh, I don't know. That I would say four out of seven. I, I mean, that first game where it was four nothing, I guess they held, up, held their own, but they were so lifeless offensively. So I can't really say that. The last three games of that series, absolutely. The game on Monday, for sure. Tuesday, complete wash. I think today was a wash in itself. Well, I mean, I guess they battled and Hobie Milner struggles and it goes off the rails from there. I mean, it was five to two. You hope if the bullpen holds it together, you're still you're still fighting, like you're still punching. And if they were to continue their success, I realize Hans Orlando, Alberto, who Renfro had some run off to get six runs, isn't pitching in that situation. But if that were to happen, you know, the Brewers are winning 6-5 and they have a comeback there. So six, you know, you could go, you could go kind of either or on today, but yeah, it's a good perspective, and I think that's one to keep in mind. But as he continued in his thread, which I completely agree with, and we'll talk a lot more about this tomorrow, so I really don't want to step on my topic with Mitch. I'll just leave it at here. It's time to go. This is the moment. This is the moment right now for the Milwaukee Brewers. 
Here until Labor Day is the biggest window of the season. I said last last one was the biggest window. I thought that window was to just check in if the Brewers are contenders. I don't think they are. All right? Do they need to make the playoffs? Yes. If you make the playoffs in baseball, can weird shit happen? Absolutely. We've seen it time and time again. Things get crazy. Shit goes nuts. Remember, the Kansas City Royals in 2014 were on the precipice of losing the Oakland A's in a wild card game. And they pulled the rabbit out of their ass, ass and then they went on to win the World Series. Or not win the World Series. They went to the World Series and lost to the Giants. Similar conversation with the Colorado Rockies in 2007. Colorado Rockies had a one-game playoff to decide if they were going to get in or not. They got in. They beat the Padres on a last-minute slide. And then the Rockies went on to the World Series. And they lost. And, you know, I got swept by the Red Sox. But still, that's the type of baseball shit that can happen. So once you're in, you're in. That's all that matters. And the Brewers are going to need to take advantage. And we'll talk a lot more about that tomorrow uh, with Mitch Ross on Tabby the Keg. So tune in for that. Uh, we'll be ready for your Friday Friday commute. Or if you're heading up, you're having the day off, maybe you're playing golf, take us with you on the course or you're heading up to the lake. We are there for you. Um, so all of that is good. All right, before we wrap up, let's talk a little bit about Grand Parts. I, I was going to do a bigger badge topic, and then I actually decided to save it for like a main topic uh, next week, a little behind the scenes there. But I, I did want to mention this about Mertz because I had this thought, and I feel like these first three games are so important for Graham Mertz. Like, I, I really do. I think it's not only for himself. I, I think it's for his fans, or not his fans, the Badger fans in, set, in general. And then I also think for the team. Like, I, I think these three games matter so much more to him than anyone else. Here's why. They are against three cupcakes, essentially. Uh, Illinois State, FCS team. New Mexico State could be an FCS team. They're not, but they are the bottom of the barrel when it comes to playing FBS football teams. Then you have Washington State, who is a Power 5 team, but a team who is rebuilding and trying to pick up the pieces of having their coach bail out because he wouldn't get the COVID vaccine, and then a lot of people bailed out because of the transfer portal. I think Jake Dickert is a good coach. I think he will bring Washington State, I don't know, to prominence, but I think he showed some things last year, sort of doing what he could with a team where the discontent was really strong, right? So we'll see. But a team who lost a lot of guys for a transfer portal immediately tells me that you're not going to be ready to play in Camp Randall week two of the football season. So all that said, like Graham Mertz has no excuses to ball out. And I actually think Bobby Ingram, the new offensive coordinator for the Badgers, should give him that opportunity. I think that they should pass more in these games to, and it's twofold. One, to build Mertz's confidence. Two, rest Braylon Allen and Chesma Lucy a little bit. Like why, why use them as bell cows in these three games? They're not needed, right? Ideally, you'd have them carry the ball seven to 10 times and get the fuck out. Like, and they'd be like, all right, we'll use our backups. And so Merch should have the ability to sort of work with guys like Skylar Bell and try to develop that relationship and try to figure out what I am as a quarterback and feel good about it. First two of three games in the season. Like, I just think that was a raw deal for Mertz and something that I don't think we talked enough about. Like, I really don't. And maybe now Mertz is going to get that ability 
to sort of feel good heading into that big Ohio State game. And obviously the doubters will be like, well, Merritt's has played three cupcakes and, you know, this isn't it. But at least then the team knows they can rely on Mertz. And that's the part of it, right? You're facing Ohio State week four. Ohio State is the best team in football, if not one of the best three. I think Alabama has a quite the case, but I really like what Ohio State is this year. I'm probably going to bet Ohio State to win the national championship because obviously I think it's the best odds out of three. And I think that they could. Uh, I think C.J. Stroud's that good. I think Jackson Smith and the Jibba is one of the best wide receiver prospects that we've had in football. Um, so I'm very high on Ohio State in general. But I also know that, like we talk about with baseball, about anything can happen, you never know. And if Braylon Allen gets going and this one-two punch of Allen and Mertz comes out to play, like, look out. Maybe the Badgers can have a chance. Maybe they can keep their head above water as they're facing this dynamic Ohio State offense. So Mertz needs to do that for the Ohio State game. It's all in preparation for that big test, right? And that's what these first three games are going to be all about for Mertz when he steps on to Camp Randall Field on Labor Day Saturday, which is a night game, which to me is absolutely wild. Uh, we'll talk more about that when we have our other topic. But like, I can't believe they're doing that, obviously, for the Big Ten Network. And it's a pretty meaningless game in the grand scheme of things. And anything, I guess, for a Badger night game. Um, and they love playing under the lights. But is it really under the lights when you're playing you know, the Sisters of the Poor in the Illinois State Redbirds, who I'm sure there will be guys there that want to shock the world because they're Illinois State recruits out of Wisconsin. I'm sure a lot of players are like, I believe I could be a Badger. And now they're going to get that opportunity to play at Camp Randall. But yes, those are going to be very important games for Grant Martz to basically get him ready, not only for Ohio State, but also the Big Ten season. But Ohio State is that big test. It's like having the final at the start of the year because that's what Ohio State is. They are the final boss. You have to get through them. If you somehow win, you're set up for a potential national national playoff run. But you have to get through them first. And even if you don't or you play them close, still looks good in the guys' committee. You never know what kind of year you have for college football. You have three per- perceived locks with Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State. That four spots wide open. And Wisconsin maybe could take advantage of it. Although... I will say, another tease, I don't necessarily feel that great about their chances just given their schedule. So I, I know what I said, but I'm just, I don't want to get people too excited. I just think there, there are some landmines, shall we say. All right, that does it for today's show. I'm sorry for no Chuck's Corner the last two days. You know, I, I realize this, that I don't get out enough sometimes. Like I, I work from home. I don't necessarily see a ton um, my wife today took my car and I was like, yeah, whatever, no big deal. Um, it's fine. Um, I have no qualms about it. And I just, you know, maybe I need to do more, man. I need to go see more things and have more observations, right? Um, because like, I'm looking at it like, you know, I, I don't know, take my dog out. Um, I didn't even walk her, so I didn't have like stories from that, right? Sometimes I'll get, I'll get good stuff from that. I get good content there, or things that would piss me off. Yeah, I mean, I went to the gym and I, I and that was you know nothing. That was normal. All right, well, I'm done rambling here. I'm just apologizing for no Chuck's corner. Um, we we will try to do better next week. All right, like I said, Mitch and I uh, podcast tomorrow. Um, good show. We're talking Brewers. Might talk Badgers. Definitely gonna mention a little bit on Packers as well. 
um, since we're uh, we're not doing cut, but we'll do something else with the Packers. We'll figure figure out something to do Packer wise, but definitely big big brewer topic for Mitch and I. Um, that could get contentious. We'll see. All right, take care of yourselves. Have a good Thursday. We're almost done with the week. Feels like forever. Uh, who who would have thought after a three day week work week for me that a five day work week would feel like forever? All right, guys, take care. Have a good one. Bye.